Hello and welcome to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I am chatting with local carpentry instructor Randy Mansell. Thank you so much for coming in, Randy. Mm, Glad to be here. Now, before we dive into all things carpentry, woodworking, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I am from Cookville, uh, Putnam County. I've been here all my life and I started in 79 working with my father in the family business building residential homes. And I did that from 79 uh, until 98. So 20 years that I was I was building homes with my dad, and then I fell into the carpentry position at Cookville High School. So, When you were growing up, were you constantly surrounded by home building carpentry? Did you ever officially learn, or was it just something that you always did? It's it's just something I always did because of my father. That's what he did for a living, as well as uh, we we lived on a dairy farm. So I grew up farming and building homes. And like most farmers, we had to have another job to supplement the farm income. So Dad built houses, and uh, that was that was my life. Where were the houses built all in this area? How far was the reach? Oh. Uh, there was he had four employees and then myself and we were in the surrounding counties we built houses in white county and overton county uh a few in cumberland county primarily putnam county and the cookville area but uh all the surrounding counties did you ever feel like you wanted to branch out? Did you have like a rebellious stage where you thought, I don't want to do carpentry? Uh, not really. You know, at, uh, right after graduation, I got enrolled at Tennessee Tech and I had every intention of going to college. And just like I had in the previous summers, I started working for my father. And it just so happens we, we were building a very interesting house for a local family. And it, it, I got invested in it, and when the summer was up, I just continued to work, and pretty soon 20 years had passed. When you say interesting house, what do you mean? It was a really cool, it was, uh, this was 79 or 80, and this house was 5,500 square feet, had 36 corners in the foundation, it had like a ski slope shape roof on the front of it it was really interesting that's a, it was a big mansion it was a mansion certainly in those days and uh we uh yeah who would have thought 20 years building and we built a lot of high-end nice homes but 20 years later that's still my favorite house that i ever worked on really and the the first one was the you know like the the grand finale was at the beginning of my career but is it still standing? It's, oh, yeah. It's still standing. The family raised their uh, local family, Bill and Trish Monday. They own Lickety Split, which is where the Justice Center is now, and all their sons grew up here, and they raised a house full of boys there, and it's just a great, great place. And after Bill passed away and the kids were all grown and gone, it was too much house for her to keep, so she sold it, and it's still a, still a beautiful home. Houses are a lot of maintenance. Oh, yeah. But you're on the opposite end of it. You're setting it all up and building it, right? Right, right. And when you are when you were building that house, for example, you knew a family would be moving in. Do you just see it as another project, or 
are you kind of imagining who's coming in, what they'll be doing in the space? Some of that, and it was this family was just really uh, one of those families that you get close to. So uh, the the homeowners, Bill and Trish, their two oldest boys actually helped us in the summer between school work on the house. So. That was neat. And a family affair. Family, yeah, it was. It was really cool. It was a good experience, and it piqued my interest. And uh, so, are any of your? Do you have siblings? No, only child. So you're the only child, yeah. and that was the family business. Did you and your dad get along? Oh yeah, doing we, this. Yeah, everybody gets along with my dad. Oh good. Yeah. I feel like you can look and back I on have, that. Well, I have friends that uh, can't work with their family members, but, you know, uh, I still work with my dad. He's, we still build spec houses in the summer when school's out, and we've. Uh, I can never remember an argument or an unkind word or any, not even any tension. He's the boss. I just do what he tells me. <laughs> So that's perfect. You know, great, no man. matter how old you get, what, oh. what your parents say is what you're going to do. <laughs> I still do that. I, li- I still do that. So, And it's kind of cool that not only do you have these memories with your dad creating these houses, you have these actual houses to look at. Yeah, we got a lot of them spread around. So all these things that you bonded over. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea how many houses we built together, but uh, a lot of them. I'm Caroline Moore, and today I'm chatting with local carpentry instructor Randy Mansell. So you went to college. You went to tech. I did. After after I was hired as a teacher, I went back to school. I had a probationary teaching certificate, and I had three years to complete the courses that the state, uh, you know, says that I have to have. Uh, CTE teachers, that's career and technical teachers, they want – those people to have at least five years experience in the field that they teach. So if you're going to teach the carpentry class, you've had to be a builder or a carpenter for a minimum of five years. And then you have to go back and take 18 hours of educational courses and classroom management and those type of things. How did you get involved with the high school? Okay. That's a good story. Uh, (laughs) The, the CTE director was a fellow named Don Sadler, and Don was a musician, and he and I played music together. So we're sitting at my house one night playing music, and he's he's going around looking at my house and checking things out. He's been there before, but he's kind of like giving it the, the go-over, you know, inspecting my work. And, you know, I told him, you know, I built this house when I was 20 years old, and he was impressed with that, and... He uh, he said, man, I wish you'd teach the carpentry class at Cookville High School. We need a teacher so bad. I, I just said, well, I'll do it. I had no forethought, never considered it. It's not anything I ever wanted to do. And uh, he said, are you serious? And I said, yeah. I, I, we also played in, in our little band that we had, this bluegrass Americana band, uh, one a uh, history teacher, Jack Salee, was my neighbor, and every summer when school was out, he was out traveling, and I was always so envious that he had the summer off, and I'm still sweating with my dad. Oh, so when I see construction workers out in the summer, especially this summer, we have so many homes, right? In construction, 
it looks it's, so tough. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very physical demanding job. It keeps you healthy though. Absolutely. <laughs> but back to Jack Salee. Uh back to Jack. He so I was in, envious of him having the summers off and I I just said, "Yeah, man, I'll do it." And he, then he starts really lobbying for me to get the job. Well, um, a former Putnam County school teacher named Miss Valley Hunter, uh, my dad had restored the old Hunter Farm home back in the 70s. And since that time, since I've become adult, I had maintained that house for her. So we were but buddies, you know. She was like really a fan of mine. And uh, Eulene Locke was the school superintendent. That was before we had a director of school. We still had a superintendent. And her and Valley Hunter had taught together for 40 years or 50 years. And when Miss Hunter heard that I was thinking, you know, or, or was going to apply for the teaching job at Cookwell High School, she went in, she went and talked to Miss Locke and on my behalf. So when I went for my interview at Cookville High School, David Little was the principal, and he started the interview and just, I don't know, I'd never had an interview. I'd worked for my dad my entire life, the only job I'd ever had. And suddenly you're in this bureaucratic system. (laughs) I'm in a job interview, and I'm, I'm prepared. I'm ready for this interview, and... We're like not even two minutes in. He's like asked two or three questions, and and he said, "Look, I've already been told I've got to hire you." <laughs> so at that point, it became like a more of an instructional situation. This is what I'm going to expect, and this is what I want you to do. And uh, so that's that's how it started. You have a very so, unorthodox path in life, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. it worked out, and it's so nice when you have people. In your corner, like yeah, Jack Salee. It's funny those... you mention him. That's my dad's favorite teacher. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, well, I won't hold that against your dad. <laughs> so we still, Jack and I still play music together. Oh, so, you do? Yeah, yeah. When you got the job pretty much on the spot, how much time did you have to prepare? Did you interview in the summer or was it I, mid-year? I did, I did interview in the summer. They, they actually got rid of the uh, the person that was teaching there in the middle of the school year they had told me on the front end we're going to try to get James Swack the former woodworking teacher who had retired we're going to try to get him to come out of retirement and finish this school year so you can start fresh thank goodness he did that because I don't think I would have survived really uh, they'd had a bad a bad experience with the other teacher two or three years the kids were in they kind of expected more of that, and Mr. Swack came out of retirement and finished the house with those students that the other fellow had started, and he took me in and was like a mentor to me and would invite me over. About one one day a week, I'd go over and watch him with the kids, and uh, it really made the transition over into doing that a lot easier. And then the first year, he kept check on me. Because that would have been tough, being thrown into the deep end Yeah, <laughs> with yeah. children. It's hard enough at any job, but when you have those teenagers. Teenagers who were not expecting anything out of me. It was a throwaway class, they thought. And then when the house started going up and they had a sense that we were going to be able to do something, students started coming on board. More so. with Randy Mansell after the break.
What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Hello and welcome back to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I am chatting with local carpentry instructor, Randy Mansell. Thank you so much for coming in. You are a teacher at Cookville High School. That's correct. And you've been there how many years? This is 25. 25 years. 25 years. And you kind of fell into the position. Right. So what was it like to suddenly have to come up with a lesson plan? It was that was challenging. That was challenging, and uh, trying to uh, keep twenty five kids on task was, you know, that was a learning curve there. Um, also, um, getting getting the students to be on board with the the, the fact that we are going to get this house completed, and we are going to be able to sell a house at the end of the school year. You know, it was hard for them to imagine that we could do that. And it seemed pretty easy to me because that's what I'd been doing. And it's a, you know, a 1,600-square-foot house, so I wasn't intimidated by the house, but dealing with the teenagers. Do you spend the entire year building a house in your carpentry classes? We do. We start at the beginning of the school year. As soon as we get some safety things taken care of, We will get materials in, and we will start the framing in the fall, and we have the trusses on, and we're ready to put the roof on the house. And that's that's kind of our timeline. When we come back after the break, we will start doing the wiring and the plumbing. The students do all that stuff. With the help of Vandevorty Electric now, about three years ago, they've kind of adopted us. We get the wiring done and get it insulated up and start hanging the drywall by Christmas break. You mentioned safety issues and safety protocols. How do you teach those? Because before you build all these things, I mean, these are teens with some dangerous instruments. Uh, uh, Yeah, well, we have a textbook and we cover all this. We do small hand tool and power tool safety. Then we do shop and job site safety. And three or four years ago, for one of our industry certifications for the students, we started doing OSHA 10 training online. And the kids have, the students have to complete that. And at the end of the year, they'll be certified and they'll have, have a certification and some credentials, which will look good on a resume if they go into any kind of factory or any industry that deals with OSHA. The high school offers these technical classes. Mm-hmm. For those who aren't familiar, or at least this is how it was when I was there, you can take 
two different types of courses at Cookville High School. You can do the university path, technical path, or do dual. That's that's kind of the same. And I have a lot of kids that will, a lot of students that will take me as an elective that will be on a university path. And uh, if they can get in there, uh, I've had some uh, students that were all AP class students that would take me they had a spot to burn. They might take me as a sophomore, and then they want to stay. So, and those those students are fun. It's a we're a very very diverse class in there. And are most of your students male? Because it's typically a male dominated skill. Most of the students are male, and there's there's years that I'll only have maybe one female, two. This year I have several. That's great. Uh, yeah, I have some good ones, too. <laughs> I feel like all of those stereotypes are starting to fall away. And I don't know, it's not as intimidating for maybe female students to just throw themselves into that. They think, why can't I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you also mentioned that you have a textbook. So are y'all sitting at desks? How? Did, what is your classroom like? We spend very little time doing that because of the nature of our project. We have to have this house ready to sell by the end of the school year. In May, we're going to start advertising, and we're going to have a house for sale. So it has to be completed, and it, there's not a lot of time for fooling around and <laughs> and not a lot of time for classroom stuff, and a lot of the kids love that, you know. And I feel like it's probably such a great break for them. They're used to sitting in desks all day. This is a class where they can come in, do something with their hands, yeah. and actually walk away doing something tangible. Sure. And it's a creative outlet, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How much math is involved? Well, more than I'd like to talk about. <laughs> it's not. Is that teach, your natural skill? No, it's not. My dad was like this math whiz, and I, I despise it. I hate it. I'm not good at it. The kids, most of my students are much better than me. <laughs> so I show them all these little tricks of the trade to, to get around math. Perfect. Obviously, there's a lot of geometry and things. But if you know how to use a frame and square, you don't have to know all that stuff. And, you know, get so, out a calculator. <laughs> uh, yeah, and some of my, my students that are really good at it will be telling me, oh, yeah, we did this. And, they, you know, now it's relatable to them. They, they've already learned this in geometry, and they thought, well, I'll never use this. And they take my class, and they know how to do things. So it's kind of cool. And carpentry is also one of those things. There's only so many ways that you can teach something. You just have to do it. Yeah. So do you demonstrate? Like, what is your typical... I Lesson do. like uh, demonstration first, then help them with with it, and and more and more t- just turn projects over to them. And it's really fun for me. Like my carpentry t- two students, I've learned now that I can come in, especially the good ones. I put them in charge, and I'll give them an assignment for the day, and they'll go over there, and I'm there if they have a question, but they can. They can figure things out, and they can lay out and uh, properly cut and install things. And, you know, hopefully by the end of three or four years in my class, they can build a house. Future Uh, contractors. Yeah, future contractors. (laughs) Or even if they, whatever uh, line of work they go into, they're going to live in a house someday. 
And yep. they're going to have those skills. They're not going to be intimidated by building a new deck on the back of their house or, you know, changing out some plumbing fixtures or whatever. They're going to. I know. I wish I had taken that class when I was in high school because. I just have to get on YouTube now and look at a tutorial and kind of figure something out. But then yeah. I look at my dad and he can just build anything and he's not even a carpenter. He right. he just kind of picked it up throughout the years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, do you offer different course levels? There, There's three levels. Uh, the intro students is called construction technology. And then there's a structural systems one. And then they can take structural systems two two times so they possibly if they get in there as a freshman and my classes are always full I have 25 students in every class but if they get in there as a freshman they can possibly have me four times and it's a year-long a year-long program and they do all aspects of residential construction when you have students the ones that you've mentioned that are gifted that you see takeover class, do you recommend them for people in the area, oh, for absolutely. jobs? Yeah, yeah. Steve uh, Vandevorty at Vandevorty Electric just hired two of my seniors last year, and they're on a, an apprenticeship program there, making more money than us teachers do. Isn't that great, though? Oh, that it's awesome. This is the yeah, seeds and, that you help plant, and they're coming out of high school uh, with these skills. Oh, yeah, and he came over and – worked with those students and met them and you know, he he recruited them and he he offered them a very very good job and an apprenticeship program and well that speaks volumes about your classroom and how effective you are as a teacher you're setting them up for success they are so lucky to have you more with Cookville High School carpentry instructor Randy Mansell after the break Hello and welcome back to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I'm chatting with local carpentry instructor Randy Mansell. Randy is the carpentry teacher at Cookville High School and every year your classes build a home. That's correct. So what home are you working on this year? So well for me this is home number 25 and they're always uh, pretty much uh, the same format. We've got a three bedroom, two bath, uh, house. We have a big open area in the middle of it, and we'll put a vaulted ceiling in it. And from year to year, I'll let them play with the, the design, and so they have some ownership in it. If, if as long as I think it's a good idea. At the end of the school year, every year we have a public auction, and the house is sold to the highest bidder. At that point, those people are responsible for having the house moved off campus. And while we do build on campus, this is not a module home. It's not a, it's not like, uh, it's a stick-framed, one-piece unit that has to be moved by a professional house mover. It's not like a double-wide or anything like that. It's, uh, we have it inspected by the uh, codes department, the building inspectors, the state electrical inspector does that inspection. And it can be set in the city limits uh, because it's not a module home. So uh, that's what we do. And the money that we generate this year uh, with the sale of this house will go back into the program. And uh, that's what next year's kids will use to build their house with. How much does it cost you to build 
the homes. We had just a, we had a little over sixty thousand last year, and everything that we bought, and that's the most money we had spent on materials since I've been there. Let's talk materials for a second. So, with the supply chain, has that affected you? A, a little bit. Not. I mean, it's not anything that has shut us down, but. Uh, there's been a few things that you could commonly just go and put your hands on that we've had to wait for doors, windows, electrical uh, goods, and plumbing. And it's it's frustrating for someone like me who's always just had those things to have to wait. Yeah. And it takes a little more planning now. Where do you source these materials from? Uh, well, because it's county money, we have to put. Uh, all the items out on bids, and so we've got a bid spec sheet, and then all the vendors can bid, and then I have I go with the lowest bidder. Are the students involved in the source material process? Or are you telling uh, them about the bids and how finances work as well? They're not. No, they're not really involved. They do. I give them a a printout, and they they look at it, and that's about as involved as. I get with them on that. So know. they're aware. Yeah, they're aware. They know how much things cost, and and it's getting even more expensive now. Right, and and but with that, homes are more expensive. So I, I would always tell my students over the years that the juniors uh, next year, whatever this this house sells for, they're going to want to beat that. They want their senior year house. They want to beat the class before them. I, I don't know why they're so competitive, <laughs> but they do. They talk about it. The and class competition. The it's class, such a thing in high school thing. with and the I floats. Tell, I tell them you every house can't be a record sale. It can't. You know, you just it's not going to be. And it depends on the market too. It depends on the market. <laughs> and even though I say that, the last four years have all been record sales. Every year it's. Uh, 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 there's been a big increase the last four years on the sale of our house and supply and demand materials, the cost of buying homes. So how uh, many people attend the auction? Well, uh, it, that's hard to put my finger on. Sometimes there'll be five or six people there. Sometimes there'll be 20. Every year is different. Yeah, every year is different, and you can't. I, and when I was new, the first few years, I'd be really nervous if there was only four or five people that showed up. But sometimes that's the best. You know, it only takes two people. If you've got two people there and both of them really want the house, you're it, good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. So, what trends have you noticed in home building? that have changed throughout the years or do y'all mostly do the same thing or are you like, well, let's put in some more USB outlets, for example. Well, we, uh, we try to stay up with the, the trends and, uh, materials. I would think that the 25 years that I've been there, a lot of materials have changed and insulation's better with the spray foam insulation. And, uh, we've done that and, uh, we try to stay current. And, 
And you don't just work on homes. You also work with theatrical productions as well. We we love doing that. Isn't that fun that. when oh, you yeah. team up with the theater people and it you can is. just geek out and be so creative and fun? Yeah, and what's fun is my guys go down there and they think this this really stinks. We're down here building these stupid walls on the stage in the auditorium. And then uh, then the art department comes in and puts their touches on it. And then all the everyone that's involved with the theater, I, I, I know what it's going to look like when they get finished with it. But then my students go back in there and see it and are just blown away. And that's when it's fun. You Once know. you get the lights, oh yeah, yeah, and then the costumes on it, and then uh, you know there's the thirty foot roll in theater. The thir- yeah, I do know that rule. <laughs> yeah, thank what, you, Kim. Thank you, Kim. Shout out. Yeah. What are some of the projects that you've worked on, or things that people in town might recognize? Oh, uh, we your done. Work? Les Mis was my favorite. That set was just incredible. It was so beautiful. Uh, we did uh, Little Mermaid. We did some stuff over at CPAC as well. Uh, Firefox, we built the cabin that was on stage for that. And there's been a lot of the things that they've done that we've done little parts of, but uh, those were the those were the big ones that we had a big part in. And it's so fun for the students to see how their skills can be applied in so many different ways too. Sure. Not just for home building, they might go into theater. They could go into production or they might realize they have more of an artistic flair and take more art classes or join the chorus. That's fun stuff. (laughs) At the end of the school year, what do you hope your students walk away with? Oh, I hope they walk away with a general understanding of construction and with the confidence to certainly do home maintenance and uh, and with the confidence, if they want to pursue uh, a livelihood in the trades, they can certainly get a foundation for that in my class. And one thing that I'm I'm proud of that we do at Cookville High School, our students are subjected to all areas of residential construction. And my dad had groomed me for that my whole life because he never subbed anything out. We were electricians and plumbers, and we were masons. We laid block and laid brick and done concrete work, and no one does that now. Everyone specializes in something, but we didn't. We didn't, you know, we didn't know any better, so we just did it all. You did it all. We did it all. (laughs) One-stop shop. That was it. (laughs) I'm sure you have students who can't believe that they're going to build a house. Oh, yeah, it's fun, and those freshmen get so (laughs) invested you know, a lot of I hear a lot of people complain about ninth graders, and they're they like some maturity, but man, it's so easy to it's so easy to pull them in and get them invested that they're fun. Do you feel like you have to deal with behavioral issues as much in your class, or is it just because everybody's so busy working? Well, it doesn't I mean, happen as much. We don't have. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have problems. I can only speak for myself, and I, I'm amazed at the si- the size of that school. It's huge. And I didn't even know that wing existed my freshman year. Yeah, right. There's an and automotive shop too, right? The, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. There, the auto shop is probably the most impressive automotive shop in Cookville, Tennessee. Is at the high school. It's so cool. They got four lifts, and t- it's crazy. 
how, you know, how in depth they get in there. And you've got the cosmetology department too. Yeah, and they, it's it's pretty cool. And the administration there, they just keep everything. Hot. You know, there's not a lot of problems. A well-oiled machine. It's very well-oiled. Yeah. What's been your biggest takeaway from teaching? What have you learned about yourself or about education throughout the past 25 years? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think my dad had me, uh, he had groomed me for this job and that he was uh, steady as the course top guy. Uh, I can remember when I'd get frustrated with a project that uh, my my mom's dad, my grandfather on my mom's side, his nature would come out in me and I'd get frustrated and mad and, and my dad would just look at me like, he can't be my kid, you know, <laughs> and he would just take whatever that I'm having problems with and just it would just fall into place because of his calmness. And I think in 25 years, I've gotten a little better at that and that I can see that that's the, you know, steady as the course. And I tell my kids, you know, uh, we try to do a good job the first time, but uh i've i have learned that they learn more when they make a mistake than when they get it right the first time when they get it right the first time it could have been an accident <laughs> but if they mess up and have to go back and and we're not going to leave anything that's not right so if they mess up we just got to back up and do it again and those are the learning moments and i've I've learned that. So, And there's a lesson in that, too. There's a lesson there, yeah. Pick yourself back up and try again. Right. <laughs> well, Randy, thank you so much for coming in and chatting all things carpentry today. And good luck with the house. I can't hey, wait to thanks. see it. It'll be ready in May, right? It'll be ready.